grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up the Windsors. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michelle. Well, Michelle, we've got so much royal news coming up this week, haven't we? <laughs> Hold on tight, royal community. It's going to be a good jam-packed episode. Oh my goodness me. So much shit to talk about. And like we promised you last week, we will be discussing as the royal news Harry's memoir, part two of Spare. So stick around for that. I just want to do a little side note because it's quite cold here in the UK, isn't it? It's cold and it's really dark and I'm just willing summer to be here. Oh, I'm so ready. I've got a blanket on as we're this. I'm like, I'm <laughs> well, Royal community, a little fun fact. I'm in bed right now. I'm actually recording in bed in my bedroom. So there you go. We've got a real good chunk for the roundup and then we're going to head into Harry Spear. Rach, I thought I would mention just before we head into the Royal Roundup, the good old shout out. Love a good shout out. And this is going to be for Nikki Hosler and I want to just say a big thank you to Nikki because she sings our praises about the podcast to anyone she meets she's a big fan and I used to work with Nikki I met up with her last week for a cup of tea and a brownie and we were just talking all things Harry Spear so I just wanted to give a good shout out to Nikki hi Nikki I hope you're enjoying this week's episode so far and we've got so much coming up so shall we head to the Royal Roundup? Let's do it So, Shell, you predicted it, Royal Community. Michelle Yay! predicted that we were having a pregnancy announcement this year. And Eugenie is pregnant. Yeah, because I specifically said it's either going to be Beatrice or Eugenie. And I also want to point out when I made that prediction, I didn't know about the rumours or like the rumour mill that was spinning around Christmas time. They were saying, oh, it looks like she's pregnant. I had no idea about that. So I was just in my head going through, right, how old are the children? Maybe a second child for them. So anyway. Long story short, I actually cheered with glee <laughs> during my lunch break. Rachel texted me. I was so excited. So in an Instagram post, she said, we're so excited to share there will be a new addition to our family this summer. And there was that lovely picture of August kissing her stomach. Yeah. It's so sweet. And Jack took the picture. And then Buckingham Palace also released a statement saying that the family are delighted and August is very much looking forward to being a big brother. I enjoyed seeing the Duchess of York's post on Instagram as well. And that was a nice little picture of August, just the back of him kind of playing in the leaves. And we also did see the Duchess of York at the funeral for Lisa Marie Presley, wasn't it, this week? So she, yeah, we've had a lot of uh, media come out for the Duchess of York. Well, staying with Princess Eugenie, she spoke at the World Economic Forum and said that having August had totally changed her outlook on the environment. She said, my son's going to be an activist from two years old, which is in a couple of days. Everything is for them, right? Every decision we now make has to be for August, what he's going to be able to look at and do and how he's going to be able to live his life. This was really nice to see, Eugenie. This came out before the pregnancy announcement. And I think it was important for us to discuss Eugenie because we normally talk about William Catherine and the King and the Queen consort. So it was really nice to have a little bit of Eugenie news this week. Yeah. And to be honest, as we know, the royal family are very careful with who they give the spotlight to. And it's lovely that they gave the spotlight to Eugenie and she had a few of these engagements kind of stacked up. 
So it, it became more like Eugenie's week. And I quite like that. Yeah. And also, as we know, she has a podcast called The Anti-Slave Collective. And she was saying that modern slavery and human trafficking is a really big issue across the globe. There are 49 million people estimated in slavery today. And we know that when the climate is vulnerable, the most vulnerable people are affected by it. I mean, those are some powerful words. And I think doing the podcast has enabled her to speak to lots of people to get a bigger scope of this problem and it's a massive problem i'm so happy that she's got this podcast and all of the other engagements that she does to shine a light on that as well so i've got a little confession rach because i've been really really busy like doing lots of behind the scenes keeping up with the winds and stuff and all the other stuff that i do in my life i haven't been on it when it comes to royal news this week and the reason royal community is because i had to listen to 87 chapters of harry spear <laughs> in the week the week of all weeks that was so busy and i had to fit it in somehow so something had to give and that was i didn't look so closely at the royal news so we are going to talk next about the coronation information has come out but i don't know much about this Rachel. so can you talk me and also the royal community through it I will happily talk about this show because <laughs> I'm so excited. Royal Community, if you were with us for the Jubilee last year, you know that any Jubilee news, we just ate it up and we were so excited to share it with everyone. And I feel the, exactly the same way about the coronation. It's in yeah. May. It's, it's coming so soon. Like it's getting closer and closer. Yeah, we'll snap our fingers and it'll be here. On Saturday the 6th of May, which is Coronation Day, the King and the Queen Consort will arrive at Westminster Abbey in what is known as the King's Procession. After the service, they will return in a large a ceremonial procession known as the coronation procession and then they will be joined in this procession by other members of the royal family and then they will then appear on the balcony to conclude the ceremonial event. Now Rach, am I right in saying this procession will be the Golden State Carriage because yes. we actually saw that at the pageant for the Platinum Jubilee and we have a YouTube video on it so if you want to see it in its entirety like within the video, in real life shall we say, you can head on over, I'll pop a, a link in the show notes but head on over to YouTube Keeping Up With The Windsors but we saw a LED screen with the Queen in it, which was excellent. But this time, we're actually going to have real people in it. And it's going to be the King and the Queen consorts. We're going to have real people. And it's just amazing because, like you said, we've seen this in real life. And we went to an exhibition a few years ago at Buckingham Palace. And we got to see this up close, didn't we? Oh, it was lovely. It was just so beautiful. So that's the actual coronation day. And then on Sunday, the 7th of May, a coronation concert will take place at Windsor Castle. Very excited about this. Don't tell me. Is it Tom Jones and uh, Elton John? <laughs> we don't know that the performers yet. They haven't been announced. We said that last time, didn't we, for the Jubilee? We were like, oh, I wonder what it's going to be. The concert will have an orchestra play interpretations of musical favourites, which will be fronted by some of the world's biggest entertainers, plus performers from the world of dance. That sounds interesting. Yeah. It will also feature a selection of spoken word sequences delivered by stars from stage and screen. This has the king written all over it. Well, Charles loves his poetry, doesn't he? This has got to be, you know, we want to have Sir Ian McKellen, right? He's one of our biggest theatre stars. I think what the king is probably most looking forward to seeing on yeah. this concert. There will also be an exclusive appearance from the Coronation Choir. This is a new thing. Oh, nice. Which will be made up of community choirs and amateur singers such as refugee, NHS and LGBTQ plus singing groups and deaf signing choirs. That's amazing. 
amazing. How amazing is this going to be? Appearing alongside this will be a virtual choir made up from singers from across the Commonwealth. And then to accompany this, a new documentary will be released, which will share the stories of the people that have been involved in the choirs. Oh, you know there's going to be a cry fest coming on for me watching that. <laughs> a cry fest, I love Royal it. Royal community, if you don't know, I help set up virtual choirs and also workplace choirs with a company that I subcontract for. And this is just so exciting to me because I know how much of a tangible difference it has on people's lives singing, but also to be a part in the community to celebrate the coronation. It's like a win, 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 win. Yeah. This is amazing. And if you've listened to the podcast for a while, Royal Community, you know Michelle and I love a choir. We <laughs> love a choir. We love going to a church just to watch a choir sing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We do. We do. The centerpiece of the concert is called Lighting Up the Nation. And this will see the country join together in celebration as iconic locations across the UK are lit up using projections, lasers, drone displays and illumination. Wow. Oh my goodness. We saw that drone display at the party at the palace. Yeah. And that in real life was absolutely spectacular. Everyone around us was screaming, weren't they, when that started? That moment for me was the cherry on top of the cake. It was absolutely amazing. And you know what? I feel like I'm going to just say, head on over to YouTube and watch all our Jubilee videos because we have a Jubilee video for every single day. Party at the Palace was absolutely incredible, which finished with the drone display. When I look at it on the camera, it looks amazing, but it looked even better in real life. This yeah. could be like all the way around the UK. So this is so exciting. So the concert will be attended by volunteers from the King and the Queen Consort's charities and a public audience which will be selected by a ballot. Fingers crossed, come on, let us hopefully get in there. Once we know when this is going to take place, this ballot, we'll post it in the show notes. But as yet, the tickets haven't gone up for ballot. So as soon as we know that, we'll let you know. Because we, we tried, didn't we, for the Platinum Jubilee? We tried mm-hmm. the ballot. We didn't get it. I think last time it was about 20,000 tickets, wasn't it? And yeah. only a select few get tickets. So we could be lucky this time, but we could not. But regardless, whatever happens, it's such an amazing event to be at. So that's the concert, which I think is going to be absolutely incredible. I just can't wait to see who's going to be forming because there were some acts that we saw at the party at the palace which I wasn't really looking forward to and then when they came on they were absolutely amazing amazing yeah and I was very surprised actually at who I enjoyed more than I thought I was going to enjoy Mm -hmm. I want to say one point though Rach I find it very interesting that it's in Windsor Castle Yes. Now, this is interesting, like you said, Shell, because we've seen a lot more engagements happening at the moment with Windsor Castle. And I think we've said it again, Royal Community, if you've listened to our podcast for a long time, we've said that Buckingham Palace should be opened all year round and more rooms should be open to the public. Especially now because Charles and Camilla are not actually living at Buckingham Palace, which does actually go against every protocol we know with the monarch always live at Buckingham Palace. I'm glad he's still living at Clarence House. And I think also the Queen Elizabeth should have put her foot down and say, I'm not moving. I'm staying at Clarence House. Still sticking with Sunday, the coronation lunch will take place and this will be overseen and organised by the big lunch team at the Eden Project. The Queen Consort has been patron since 2013 and as with the lunch last year for the Jubilee, free downloadable resources will be online to help people and communities to start their planning. To be honest, because we've just had the Jubilee, nothing is like coming out with me like oh that's that's new that's different maybe yeah. the laser lights and the drones and stuff but everything seems to be in normal royal order if that makes sense yeah. and it's all about bringing communities together 
Yeah. That's the whole point of these lunches is that opportunities come together. People have street parties. Even if you don't live in the UK, if you live in a Commonwealth country or you live anywhere, you can even have your own tea party. Yeah. It's all about coming together, isn't it? And celebrating this historic moment. And then, Shell, on Monday, the 8th of May, the big help out is a tribute to His Majesty's public service and will encourage people to try volunteering for themselves in their local areas. I love this! I know, right? So this is hoped that they will bring communities together and create a volunteering legacy from the coronation weekend. As you know, I love volunteering. I volunteered at London Zoo for a long, long time. It is so rewarding. And if you haven't tried volunteering, give it a go. Even if it's just an hour, just try something out. It doesn't have to be something that you have to go outside your house. You can actually call an elderly person on the phone. There's loads of different ways to volunteer. Exactly. And I really do hope that a lot of people get involved with this. One of the main reasons for the monarchy for the royal family is they are there to serve. So I'm very excited. And also, Shell, I think me and you, we we pledge now and Royal Community, you can back us on this, that we are going to volunteer at least once during this year. Well, I'm going to up the ante, Rachel. I actually think maybe we should create a Royal Community Volunteering Project the day before because we're supposed to be doing a meetup. maybe we could mm-hmm. do some litter picking or something on the mall yeah maybe you know what I mean it could be anything it could be anything I mean we saw the carnage that was left over from party at the palace exactly they, they need all the help they can get so staying with the king Rach he has asked for a surge in profits from six new offshore wind farms on the crown estate um, this is worth one billion pounds to be used for the wider public good rather than the royal family he wants to reduce this percentage so that more is kept by the Treasury to be used for public spending, which is reported at £250 million. Now, I saw this on the news and a lot of people were saying this is incredible. However, it should be given in a pot to be used for something rather than just be spread out. So, I mean, £250 million is a good chunk of money. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Shell, is the king, the people's king, like, is that, is that what we're going to be calling him from now on? I feel like he's Robin Hood, isn't he? But like, <laughs> he's Robin Hood. He's stealing from himself to give to the poor. It does, it does reference as well what he was saying in his Christmas speech is that he knows that people are going to be suffering this year. And this is a great way of him giving back to the people because it's part of the crown of state. Like he could keep that all for himself or Absolutely to use could. for anything, you know, any member of the royal family. Yeah. But the fact that he's given this back to the treasury, back to the government, to help more people. Yeah, I just think it's absolutely amazing and I can't wait to see what that money is used for. Here, here, Charles. We love it. We also wanted to say happy birthday to the Countess of Wessex. Ooh, amazing. Happy birthday, Sophie. And Shell and... Oh my gosh, Royal Community, drum roll. The Earl of Wessex made it onto the socials. Dun, dun, dun. I don't believe you, Rach. Did he really? He really did. <laughs> As patron of the Production Guild, Edward visited the Mama Youth Project to learn about the charity which trains and supports young people to succeed in the media industry. And we also wanted to quickly mention some other engagements that have taken place this week. But obviously, we've had lots and lots of big news happening. So we want to just kind of truncate this. The King and Queen Consort were met by large crowds in Bolton as they went to celebrate its 
150th anniversary. I actually saw this on YouTube and I commented and I was so impressed. They had a Lowry painting and I'd never seen one in real life. And it's actually very big. I thought it was a lot smaller. And Charles was really excited to see the painting as well. We saw the Queen Consort today in Lacock, which is a village in Wiltshire. And she was also attended by a Battersea Rescue Dogs. Amazing. And so her ladies' companions, remember Royal Community, we don't have ladies in waiting anymore. Yeah. We have companions. And yeah, they bought the dogs to see her at her engagement. Oh, I love it. So cute. Also, William visited homelessness charity DePaul, which Diana visited three times. He had a Zoom call with people affected by serious floods in Australia. And we saw him carry out investitures at Windsor Castle. And also the Prince and Princess of Wales's YouTube channel had posted that Zoom call. And I was like, yes, get on there with the YouTube. Bring more videos to us. Yeah, exactly. That's what we want to see. Exactly. What else is going on, Rach? Catherine hosted a reception for the England Rugby League Wheelchair World Championships. And then today, she held an early years group with experts, scientists and academics who specialise in the early years and have been advising on the work carried out by the Royal Foundation. And we'll find out more about this next week, as she said. Monday evening will be an exciting evening for everyone. Yeah, now this is one of those things where we're like, oh, there's going to be a big announcement. So maybe Monday is the announcement, right? Yeah, so make sure you tune in next week because we'll be talking about whatever is announced on Monday. Well, that was the Royal Roundup for you, Royal Community. I mean, I am like, literally feel like I've just been slapped in the face by him uh, as much <laughs> Royal News as we have there. Wow, they are surely back from their holidays. It's great to see them on engagements and see them out and about, just meeting people and this is what we like to see them do. Some people in the royal community have had a bit of a moan because, for instance, today, Catherine had the engagement at Windsor Castle and then at the same time, the Queen Consort was on an engagement. They can't win. It's either William and Catherine aren't on enough engagements and we don't see them enough. The royal households, yes, they are in their own entireties and sometimes they do work together, but they're not going to just stop one person from working just because the other person is on an engagement. It doesn't work like that. More engagements, better for me. I don't care. Exactly. Exactly. They do vital work to raise the profile of charities and I'm never going to stop them from doing more engagements. I think it's a good thing. That's it for the Royal Roundup. Shell, are you ready for the Royal News where we're going to be talking all about Harry's memoir, Spare, part two? 87 chapters of it. Let's go. (laughs) So let's move on to the Royal News for this week. So last week, we mentioned that we wasn't going to read any excerpts or any passages from the book. And that's the same as this week. We've been listening to the audiobook. So it's hard for us to go back unless we've written everything down, exactly what Harry says. So we will be paraphrasing and we might not recollect things 100%, just like Harry might not recollect things 100%. (laughs) Recollections may vary. Yes. So um, let's kind of do a little synopsis of part two then, because part one was his childhood. And then part two, he's just gone to war. And he talks about his relationship with Chelsea Davy, then with Cresta Bonus. Then we talk about just feeling like the spare, um, his Invictus Games, and then ending with him 
doing drugs, being in LA and talking to a bin. Oh, and then he's talking to the moon in the end of it. So we've got a big, massive trajectory to get through, Rach. Let's start with his army talk because there is a lot of army talk. And I have to say, and I hold my hands up to this, I didn't realise he went to war so many times. I literally Mm. thought it was once or twice, but he went three times, didn't he? Yeah, he went on a few different assignments, didn't he? And I think obviously it was his hope that he would have continued, but the press found out where he was stationed and really to their own detriment, they shouldn't have posted that because he could have stayed within the military for a lot longer than he was. And you could tell that he had really found his calling within the military. But Mm -hmm. I've got to admit, Shell, this part two was not my favourite part of the book and I skipped a lot of chapters because anything to do with military in terms of going to war, it just does interest me. And I think that's because from doing my A-levels in history... And it was about mm. World War One weaponry and I found it so boring. And I understand like this is a big part of Harry's life. I'm not downplaying that at all. And it's totally made him the man that he is. And we cannot knock the fact that he is a military veteran. Like mm. you said, he served on several tours. You've got to command him for that. I was a little bit confused because he went through it really quickly. And I was looking at the difference between an autobiography and a memoir this week because I was trying to wrap my head around how this book is written. I did mention last week, it felt like you're kind of listening in on different dinner party talk and you're never really getting a full grasp of things. It just moves through his life so quickly at such a rapid pace. One minute he's in the North Pole, the next minute he's in the South Pole, then he's with Cressida, then he's not with Cressida. And I'm just like, oh, I had to listen to this book as in part two because I haven't listened to part three yet. I literally finished part two today. It was so hard to get through part two. And the reason why for me is because exactly like you said, Rach, it's isn't it a subject that interests me? It didn't connect for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm here for the royal stuff, right? I'm not here for army training. I'm not here for killing. I think you're right. It did make him the man that he is. But I also think that during this chapter, I had a real sense of him just being lost. I think he's been lost the whole of this book. And I know what's coming because I know he's going to make out that Megan saved him in the next chapter. So I'm waiting for it, you know? But it's so interesting, the stories that he's picked out in this memoir to talk about. Because a memoir is that, apparently. I mean, who knew? A memoir is little snippets of somebody's life. I hate that. I have to say, I hate a memoir. Give me an autobiography any day. Well, let's talk about one of the biggest stories that came out of this. And I've seen it all over TikTok. People doing so many memes, so many gifts. Was Harry talking about his frost-nipped penis, his todger. Oh my goodness me. Nobody says todger in the UK, FYI people. I've had so many people message me saying, is this a thing? I don't know anybody that calls a penis a todger. I think it's an upper class thing, Rach. Do you think? I do think it's an upper class thing. I know we don't. We would say it as a joke, like, oh, todger, <laughs> like that, but we would never actually say it as that. <laughs> yeah, we'd have a lot more other words to say. He spoke about his penis we'll use a scientific word, his penis way more and brought it up way many times than he did probably the the first thing would be Diana's death and then the second thing would be his penis, which I have to say I was just mesmerised by. Like, why? Why do I need to know about you going to the doctors? You know, why do I need to know what you've put on it? And I also think he's tarnished... (laughs) 
<laughs> tarnished the royal wedding of Prince William and Catherine. Because all I'm thinking now, every time I see him, is he's got that frostbitten penis whilst he's there. <laughs> well, you know what was so funny about the whole Todger talk was when I was listening to it, he was saying, somebody said to him, oh, Elizabeth R is an eight-hour cream. Yeah. So obviously the sales of that have probably gone way up at the moment. And then he mentioned that, oh, I know this because um, my mum used to use this on her lips. And it was so strange that he was talking about his mum in the same sentence as that he was talking about his penis. But he just like... Yeah, but also when he was reading the audiobook, if you're reading that in a book, I think you would probably get that. But listening to the audiobook, I didn't get that. I, I got him as like, that's what my mum used to use. And you're asking me to use it on because his friend was recommending that he did that. So I think the audiobook for me, did I didn't have that same feeling about it, Rach. Well, I did. I did. So you mentioned William and Catherine's wedding. Yeah. William wanted to see the crowds on the evening of his wedding. As we know, I remember that so vividly. All the crowds just waiting outside. And Harry made a point of saying that even the next day when he was in the car with William, had to wind the windows down because William was still a bit tipsy. And all you smell. You smell a bit. I mean, how many billions of people were watching that? You'd have to take the edge off somehow, right? (laughs) And there was also a nice sentiment that he said Kate was his sister, but in a way that he was saying goodbye to William when he got married. Yeah. Because it was never going to be him and William ever again, just them two. Yeah, and I got that feeling and I felt that in my own life. And I guess, Rach, you could probably attest to this because we both don't have children. And when somebody like a friend or maybe a family member gets married or has a child, they're on that next life phase. You kind of say goodbye to that part of them because they're no longer accessible in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Than they once were. And so I kind of understood what he meant. And then when later on in part two, he talks about when George is born. And again, it's like they're going deeper into that. And he's still the single bachelor and they've moved on in a way. And there's a sadness there. There's a loss there because they're not on the same path anymore. And I think, you know, I've had that a lot in my own life, especially being the age I am and not having children. You lose a lot of friends along the way. And it's not because your friends don't want to be friends with you. It's just they've got other priorities now. And that's just the way life is. So I really felt that as I was going through the book, there was a lot of letting go in this part too. But there was a lot of, I don't know what to do. He felt like driftwood. He never had like a real deep sense of identity. Maybe that's why he held on. And obviously, this is my speculation. But he held on to that identity of the spear because that was his given born right of being the spear. He just seemed like a little boy lost. And I just could not connect to that at all. I've never been like that. Even when I had absolutely no money, when it was like really hard for me in my life, I always felt I knew where I needed to go. It's just I didn't have the resources to get me there yet. And I never, ever felt lost. So it's interesting where you are in your own life when you read this book and how that might possibly change how you see Harry. So then he talks about that a cousin set him up with Cressida. I wonder what cousin that is. Yes. (laughs) She seems to be the one that she sets him up with everyone, doesn't she? Like with Chelsea Davey, he doesn't really go into the details of their relationship that much, but he obviously he acknowledges that he had a relationship with her. And he talks about the time that he went to Vegas because he was with her at that time. And he was texting her saying, don't worry, because he was with all of these lads and they were obviously... 
what happens if Vegas stays in stays Vegas? Stays in Vegas, you know, party central sort of thing. And that's when we saw the pictures of his bum. I tell you the one thing that I was really moved with was when he sat down with Cressida and she asked him about Diana. And it was the first time he cried yeah. about Diana's death. And he said, you know, she brought that out in me. And I thought, no, you allowed that to happen. You have been softened by, you know, war and everything you've seen there and what you've been through. And actually, you don't have to hold on to that anymore. You can let it go and be free enough to grieve. You know, that's my own thoughts whilst I was uh, listening to it. And it was just such a beautiful moment. Yeah, and I think that's sometimes what relationships teach you, isn't it? They might, it might not be the right person, Yeah. but you're glad to have that relationship because it brought something to your life. When I would listen to it, I think I felt the same, Shell, is that he realised that this wasn't his person. Yeah. But he was grateful to her for bringing that side out of him. I was on my lunch break. I took a nice walk listening to the audiobook. And I just had to stop and kind of like take it in when he said that he knew Cresta wasn't his person. So he went to finish with her and she was sat on the bed crying. And I was just like, oh my goodness me. Like they both knew, according to Harry. It was such a tender, raw moment. For me at that point, I really connected to him and how that must have felt because this is somebody who had transformed him but was more of a teacher for him than a lifelong partner. But then I also think, this is just me and my PR brain and my, you know, I'm thinking about more marketing. I'm just thinking that's the ghostwriter setting up for Megan. It's quite interesting that this whole chapter is about him finding his strength and his identity in different ways, although he's not there yet. And also Invictus Games played a massive part in this, didn't it? Oh, it really did. And he goes into detail about the reason why he wanted to set up Invictus and the amount of work that it took to get this off the ground and to get it running and to, for it to be what it is today. You know, whatever you think about Harry, as I said before, with the whole army section, that doesn't interest me. I do admire him for everything that he's done because... Even to this day, Invictus is something that's so important to so many people and so many people rely on those games. It's something for them to focus their attention on after yeah. they've come out of military service. And I think that's really important. I commend him for that. I also want to bring up TK Maxx, Rach. TK Maxx had a little bit of an appearance in Spare. I think we're getting sponsored. TK Maxx, who would have thought that Prince Harry goes sale shopping in TK Maxx? <laughs> yeah, but you know what I was thinking? I was like, why, has, why isn't he doing online shopping? I know this is 2015, but you can do online shopping in 2015. Online you? shopping, right? And he was saying that Charles held the purse strings. But the purse strings were only for clothes you would wear on engagement. So on normal day-to-day -day life, he was like slumming it. I was like, oh, come on. Like, seriously? I know. Get a seriously, where, where is this TK Maxx? Is this on Kensington High Street? I know. Oh, yeah, there is one on Kensington High Street, isn't is there? there? There is. Um, I hope there is now. I'll, I'll fact check it. <laughs> if it's still in here, Royal Community, there is one there. <laughs> but... He also mentioned that he would take his bodyguard to TK Maxx and he would act as his stylist. I mean, this bodyguard had about 50 million roles. I'm hoping he actually got paid very well. Talking, oh, gosh. Talking about bodyguards, this theme throughout part two was of bodyguards. On his third tour, he took a bodyguard to war with him. That's a strange thing to do, isn't it? Very, very strange. Because as I said, the press knew that 
Harry was in military service and they knew that he was on tours because do you remember that video of him? He was giving an interview and then all of a sudden he rips the microphone off and he runs to the helicopter. Yeah. So they knew that, but they obviously could never disclose where it was because it would be a security risk, not just to Harry, but to all the people within his squadron. Yeah. Let's also keep to the theme of bodyguards because we also found out that when they go to Sandringham, bodyguards stay in a hotel that's £100. And I was literally like... Um, I don't understand. Hang on, aren't the bodyguards supposed to be guarding the body? I was like, it defies the the logic. Um, Let's move back to the army years. And there has been a bit of controversy and a mixed feelings about that Harry revealed his kill number. Which I personally understand why he did it. And also listening to him say it in the book came across very matter of fact it didn't come across as gloating or whatever they bragging were saying, yeah bragging in the press whatever i feel like he's well within his rights to say yes i was involved in casualties at war i was personally involved in the killing of people but the actual number i don't think is a good thing to let out not because you shouldn't talk about it. You can talk about it to your therapist, to your family. But in a wider setting with the platform that he has, he's now given the number of 25. So who knows? Whoever the enemy is, whoever he was saying, I think he was saying the Taliban in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could possibly retaliate. It's been interesting because I was actually speaking to someone that's in the military and they said it's not something that you openly discuss. even with people that you're at war with within your squad sometimes in those moments you do have those conversations but when you're in your civil life shall we say yeah it's not something that you really talk about because it's hard to move on from the fact that you've partaken in these killings you know killed a human being so the big thing here for me when i was listening to part 2 is how destructive he viewed him and um, William's relationship. You know, William was this, I'm above you, you do what I say, you get the scraps, it's my way or the highway, I get the yeah. best of house. Because they were, they were talking about Africa, wasn't they? And yeah. Harry, as we found out in part one, absolutely loves South Africa and he's visited there many times and he wanted to work some way with South Africa, raising awareness, for example. Yeah. And... William said, no, it's my thing, Harold. Like, South Africa's my thing. And Harry was like, why can't we both work and have initiatives to do with South Africa? Like, he just couldn't see it. He was like, no, it's my thing. It's my thing. And and that's it. And William completely shut him down. Yeah, but this is what I don't understand. In the next chapter, Harry is helping do veterinary surgery on a rhino. And I'm thinking, well, I thought that was William's thing. Like, I just don't understand how he got involved in it then. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. on, the pl- on the flip side of that, in part one, we've got all of this gruesome hunting. And in part two, we've got all this, we need to stop hunters. It blew my mind. <laughs> my tiny little mind who loves animals. I just can't deal with this book. It feels so contradictory. Yeah, I mean, when they're talking about his relationship with William, he was saying once him and Catherine got married and then they had George, people presumed that because they lived in the Kensington Palace vicinity that they saw each other all the time. William would be at home with his family and Harry would be standing over a sink eating a takeaway by himself. And he was like, is this really my life? He always thought he was the one that was going to get married first and have the family first because that's what he always wanted. He wanted his own family. And he thought that when William had his family, that he would still be involved, but he didn't feel connected to them in that way. 
Yeah. Going back to my point, you actually don't. You feel very disconnected from your friends who have children because they are on a different life path. So I think he was feeling very similar to what I've experienced in my life. You're going to have that closeness still. And it just, it does, it kind of goes away slightly. It's still there, but it's more of an echo than it is a strong signal. Yeah. And I don't think it helped when the press would bring up his bachelorhood and Harry would be like, it's not for lack of trying in his mind. Obviously, he wouldn't say it to the press but he was like I want to be with someone they're painting me as this bachelor and that's not what I want for my life and at that point he really did want to meet someone and he wanted to settle down but he was very aware of his role within his family within the institution and the person that he would someday end up with being able to understand and be able to be receptive of that life and of the role that he held And we also have him telling stories of when he was given the flat in Kensington Palace, not Nottingham Cottage, but another flat in Kensington Palace. And they had like these three dark windows and then the equerry for the Queen parked in front of it. And he sent him a note saying, could you not park? And then the equerry went to the Queen and said, that's not going to happen. And he (laughs) said, I really understood my place in this family at that point, that an equerry felt like they could tell on me to the Queen. I felt really sorry for him because obviously he's left the army. now purposeless you know and starting Invictus and then wanting to go into helping with the poaching and everything with the elephants and the rhinos in Africa you could tell he was trying to find himself he really was but in that search he took a lot of drugs and he went to LA and we've kind of finished part two with him in LA in Courtney Cox's mansion. And bear in mind, throughout the whole of part two, you're hearing him going, oh, and then I was watching Friends. And then yeah. I was watching Friends. And you're like, I think something about Friends is coming up. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'm a Chandler. <laughs> I know. He goes, I don't think I've got enough tequila in me to talk to Courtney Cox about being a Chandler. Did I trip out myself when I was listening to this, Rach? Or did Courtney Cox's bathroom have some kind of effect on him? Was it her bathroom? Was it a different LA party i honestly can't remember but he was tripping wasn't he He was hallucinating (laughs) i mean previous to this about 10 chapters before this he'd gone to elvis's house his friend's wedding wasn't it in elvis's i was like oh my goodness yeah in graceland he also he's been to the south pole and Rach, Rach, there's a cafe on the South Pole. Did you know this? I didn't. I was absolutely floored when I found this out. Like, I just thought it was ice. I mean, I didn't do a bit more research in the South Pole. Do they have a TP Magnus? It was funny when they was talking about Graceland because he was said, oh, I'm in the king's bedroom. And he was like, oh, the king, like, hold And then he said the interior designer, I think he was tripping out at the decor. All the bridesmaids wore blue suede shoes, which I found quite funny. Oh my goodness me. The amount of stories are in this part. I felt like it should have been split up into 10 sections, this whole thing. It was too big. It was too confusing. It just went from pl- thing to thing to thing. Yeah, you know? there was too many stories. In one of the interviews that he's done, and he's done quite a few, so I can't remember which one in particular that he- it was, but he said that this book was actually twice as long as it already is. He could have done another book. So Royal Community, you know, is that coming in the future? Another spare part two as such? Will these other stories that he hasn't included in this book? Rach, spare me, please. Spare me. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard read. I think the audiobook as well is hard because you can't stop. It's kind of like it's two minute sections. Yeah, you don't really get into a chapter. I think you said this last week is that you find that you're getting into his mind as such. 
and then the story goes somewhere else straight yeah. away and it doesn't come back to the story that he was telling before. Yeah. So it's really bitty because all of the chapters are so short. And then some chapters are, I think when you get into part three, some of the chapters are longer. Yeah. And then I want to add this quick story in. So it's a two minute chapter and that's it. And that isn't Harry. That's the way that the ghostwriter has yeah. written the book, has written the story. Yeah. And I think as well, it's because he wants to kind of cram everything together. But you know what? It was alluded that this is more than a one book deal. And I was just thinking, you know what? He could have actually just done an autobiography and put part one in it and make a book out of that. Then part two in it and make three books out of part two because <laughs> there was a lot of information in there. Yeah. I'm just not feeling this memoir. And it's not because I'm, I don't want to read it. It's because it's frantically put together. What do you think of his drug taking, Rach? Everybody experiments, right, when they're younger. But at this point in the book, he's in his 30s. And I think what you've alluded to before, Shell, is that you just really get the sense in part two that he's lost. Like he just doesn't know where his life's going, what his next step's going to be. And you just really feel for him in part two because he's just a lost person trying to find his way in the world. And because of his position within this institution, he's kind of held back in a way and he can't yeah. figure out what and how to get out of it. Not as in that sense of getting out of the institution at that point, but how to become the man and do the things that he wants to do and still uphold his role within the royal family. We are left thinking that when you're listening slash reading the book. And so it must have been on a million percent larger for Harry living that and being that himself. Just one final point is he did mention panic attacks and anxiety. And he said that William was a little bit insensitive at one time when he did have a panic attack, like he was sweating before he went on stage. Again, he mentioned that he went to Charles and got him an appointment for a GP, but the GP wasn't very specialized in mental health. But again, he got him the help. So I don't know, Rach. There's a lot in this book. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to listen to part three and then we will review it next week. And then I think we actually need an extra episode to actually just debrief everything because there's yeah. so much going on. There's so many themes. There's so much frantic storytelling and also little jibs as well. Have you noticed mm. like little tiny jibs? Like he tried to get oh, I, this part for me just blew my mind when he said he ordered a helicopter whilst he was training in Sandringham to aim at Charles's Charles. car as he was leaving. <laughs> and then he was like, just before he was about to hit Charles or just before he was about to take aim, it went off and then it blew up a barn. And I was like, how privileged are you that you could just blow up a barn and nobody cares? You know, if I blew up a barn, I'd be in, I'd be in prison for 10 years, <laughs> you know, crying because I'm bankrupt because I can't afford a barn. Oh my gosh, honestly. And I think that's the thing as well, Royal Community. If you listen to last week's episode, some of you have said, oh, well, you didn't talk about this, you didn't talk about that. But like you said, Chell, there's so much to talk about. There's so much. And we only have a certain amount of time to talk about this. <laughs> Otherwise, it would take us hours and hours to edit this podcast. Yeah. If we have missed anything, let us know on Instagram, keep it up with the Windsor's pod. And we will make sure when we do a wrap up of this, that we will then talk about it. Because obviously we are missing big chunks. There's a lot to get through. I mean, we haven't even talked about him singing. He was singing. What was it? Not Candle in the Wind. He said, he, Elton said, no, he wasn't going to sing that. I hope that. you don't mind. mind. I hope you, I hope don't, you mind. don't mind. That I put down in words. words. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, anyway, but also he does like an American accent. Like I'm, I'm quite enjoying him becoming a bit of an actor in the audiobook. Well, Shell, you've got some more singing in part oh, three to look forward to. <laughs> Spice Girls. <laughs> it's not the Spice Girls, but don't tell me, don't be, tell me. You're going to be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Come back next week, Royal Community. We have to stop it there. Thank you so much for being here. If you would like to support Rachel and I on the podcast, keep us on the air. You can over on Kofi. It's four pounds or six bucks. You can give us a one-off donation or you can become part of the VIP Royal community over there where we have a private Facebook group and also a monthly Zoom call. Rach, how can they find us on YouTube? You can follow us Keeping Up The Windsors. So we have lots of Royal content over there. And don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Keeping Up With The Windsors Pod where we post about all the Royal news that you don't sometimes hear about on the podcast. Absolutely. (laughs) There's so much to get through. We have an amazing array of five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to give us a five-star review on Apple, please feel free. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you give us a five-star rate. And we're also on email, keepingupwiththewindspod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on Keeping Keeping Up With With The Windsors. Windsors.